Good morning and welcome to Freedom Church this morning. It's great, great to be with you. We're in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 to 15. So you want to find that in your Bibles. I'm just going to pray before we get into it. Father, we, we want to thank you for just this chance to gather this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to pray you would just imprint it upon our hearts. Father, that we would meditate on it, that we would apply it to our lives. So, Father in heaven, we pray by your spirit, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This this generation has aptly been described as the smartphone generation. Now, of course, there are huge benefits in the technological breakthroughs that we have seen in, in recent years. Not least the fact that we're able actually to meet like this this morning. However, there's been some research done in the last couple of years by a chap called Peter Phillips that highlight the consequence of social media and our smartphone lifestyle. He describes a shift away from the biblical texts that call us to repentance and to faith towards more therapeutic, more, more comforting Bible verses that, that actually make us feel better about ourselves. He argues that this has caused a significant shift, a significant difference in the way in which people actually engage with the Bible. For example, in the 20th century, the most popular verse was the propositional verse, John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. However, now the most quoted verse is actually from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. A comforting verse that, that promises blessing, that promises prosperity and a hope for our future. There are other scholars who share similar concerns to Phillips and who feel that the way in which people share and like and tweet ends up minimising the Bible to a superficial level meaning that we actually can end up treating scripture a little bit like a fortune cookie. Philip's concerning conclusion is that contemporary social media is retelling the Christian faith as a faith that is more like a self-help book on how to live a moral life and rarely refers to Jesus. He found that the majority of verses shared on social media had little mention of Jesus' life, death or resurrection. He adds that the verses that are commonly shared offer a very new but very fragmented view of scripture that consists of only a handful of verses, about 10 out of something like 30,000 verses that are in scripture. And there are significant implications for this for our church and for our preaching. So although there are many people listening to sermons who have got a very thorough grasp of scripture, there are many more listeners who do not understand the Bible as a whole. 
It raises the possibility that we are raising a new generation of Christians who do not know how to engage with the word of God. And if this is true, we have a very real problem. So what's the answer? Well, I think there's only one place that we should be turning. And that, of course, is to the very words of God. So let's see what we can learn from Acts chapter 17, in verse 10. We left off last week where Paul was leaving Thessalonica. In fact, he was forced out of Thessalonica. I'm going to pick up in verse 10 and read what it says next. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message, they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Let's just leave it there for a moment. So let's just set the scene. Under the cover of night, Paul and Silas leave the city of Thessalonica because of the trouble that's being stirred up there. They head off to Berea, which is something like 50 miles away. And we find Paul and Silas in the synagogue, which is what they normally did when they went into a new city. And once there, they start preaching the gospel about Jesus. But what the writer Luke emphasizes here is the way in which the Bereans respond to the preaching of the word of God. Because their response is much better than anything that they actually had seen in in Thessalonica. The group of people here are keenly interested in studying the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, they meet daily to search the scriptures and their purpose was to determine whether or not what Paul was saying was true. And Paul, who is... Well, he's been overjoyed by the response that he saw in Thessalonica. So he must have been just overwhelmed, just blown away by the response of these Bereans. And I think there's hope for all generations, even for the smartphone generation, if we treat the word of God the way in which the Bereans treated and respected the word of God. So next chapter 17, we see two key elements in how they respond. The first one is openness. They receive the message with a willingness to consider it, to understand it. This group of people don't respond to the scripture with a closed mind or with even an unreceptive heart. And yet at the same time, second thing they do, they show biblical discernment. They are ready to listen, but also willing to critically evaluate what is being said. As they listen to Paul's words, they do so with their Bibles open. They're checking to see if what Paul is saying is actually in the scriptures. 
They're examining the scripture. They're making sure that the message is matching up to what the word of God actually says. It's very easy for us to pit openness to learn against biblical discernment. In fact, many people believe that it has to be either one or the other and that these two things are somehow, I guess, opposed to each other. But of course, that is not the case. And as we sit to listen to a sermon, you should be doing it prayerfully, but also meditating on the Bible verses. Your brain needs to be engaged. And, and, and of course, this applies to our sermons, but it also applies to the songs that we sing in worship, perhaps even to the prayers that we are praying. We should be searching the scriptures. But what I think it all boils down to is, is this. We need to know the word. We are blessed with multiple numbers and versions of Bible. If you saw the little YouTube clip we put together during the week, it mostly done for a little bit of fun. But actually, it was done with a serious point. We have no excuse for not reading our Bibles. We have many, many copies of them. So how much do we spend in the scriptures? How much time are we spending there? How much do we respect? How much do we value the word of God? This is what Psalm 19 verses 10 and 11 says about the words of God. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. And God's word is greater than all of the riches of this world. It is sweeter than even the finest honey. So when you understand how precious it is, you will take care in the way in which you listen to it. God's word must be desired more than you desire anything else in this world. Is that how much you treasure the scriptures. The trouble, the trouble in the UK is that we take God's word for granted. Let's be honest. We can blame our technology. We can blame our social media. And, and perhaps they do have a small part to play in this. But this is an issue of the heart. See, if Christ is your greatest love, your greatest treasure... You will want to hang on every word that he says. And this is very evident when we look at other parts of the world. The truth is that there are countries today where owning a Bible means certain death. Let me, let me tell you one story, a true story. The pastor was reading from his Bible. Men with guns suddenly broke into the home where the illegal Bible study was taking place. The believers who were gathered, gathered there for worship were not surprisingly just filled with terror. The soldiers shouted insults. They threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed his gun at the pastor's head and he, he said, hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible. This is his prized 
possession. The guard, with a sneer on his face, throws the Bible on the floor. He glares at the small congregation. Then he growls at them. We will let you go. But first you must spit on this book of lies. Anyone who refuses will be shot. The believers really had very little option, very little choice, but to obey the officer's order. The soldier points his gun at one of the men. You first. The man slowly gets up. He he kneels down by the Bible. Reluctantly, he spat on it, praying, Father, please forgive me. He stands up, walks towards the door. The soldier allows him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier says, nudging another woman to her feet. She, She moves forward, tears streaming down her face. And she can barely do what the soldier demands. She spits just a little bit, but it's enough. And she too is allowed to leave. Quietly, a young girl comes forward. And she is so overcome with her love for her Lord. And she kneels down. She picks up the Bible. And she wipes off the spit with her dress. What have they done to the word? She says. And then she prays. Father, please forgive them. The communist soldier puts his pistol to her head. And pulls the trigger. How would I have responded in those moments? I really don't know. I, I, just, I just can't truly say. But I do feel that I don't prize the word of God like that young girl did. Do you fully grasp that God's word is the source of life? That it's, it's the saving, transforming hope? And if you neglect it, you neglect it at your peril. That's why Psalm 2, verse 2 to 3 says, Tune your ears to wisdom and and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and and you will gain knowledge of God. Let's love God's word. Father, I just want to pray now. You put a new passion within our hearts for your word. May we desire it. May we value it. May we treasure it more than gold. More than the finest gold. Amen. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on the, on the preacher, and, and rightly so. We expect them to prepare well, to speak truth with the power and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I, I know that anybody who preaches here at Freedom Church takes that responsibility seriously. But the challenge that the Bereans give today is not to the preacher, but to the listener. It's to you. 
you need to be a good listener. To be a good listener, you need the Holy Spirit's help to make you a person who hears the word of God, who reads and who searches the scriptures so that you may bear fruit and be an example to anyone who is watching. So, so parents, you parents listen for a moment. Do your children see you treasuring scripture within your homes? The way in which you listen, the way in which you respond to the preaching of the word, the way in which you talk about the Bible will all send a message to your children which will impact the way in which they value and they read God's word, both good and bad. Be careful how you listen. Not only do we need to value God's word, we need to be teachable. Tony Rink encourages us to come in a spirit of meek teachability, not gullibility. He goes on to say, you need your Bible and you have a brain. In James chapter 1 verse 21, it says, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is power to save your souls. So whether you're listening to a sermon or reading the word of God for yourself, don't do it with a chip on your shoulder or with an attitude that is that there's nothing more that you could ever learn. Instead, humble yourself before the word of God and expect to hear God speak so that your heart may be changed. And yes, it's important that we are discerning, that we test what we hear and that we hold on to what is good. You need to assess preaching. Keep asking questions. Don't assume that everything that you hear from a preacher's mouth is necessarily truth. In fact, to be indifferent to error in preaching or to sloppy interpretation of the text makes you a bad listener. But at the same time, do not be so overcritical that you miss out on what God is saying to you. Listen, God can speak through anyone. John Piper was once asked if we could benefit from imperfect sermons. His answer is this. He says, not if you are proud. Not if you are so consumed with needing to show that the preacher is wrong or even needing to whisper to the person next to you, did you hear that? If there's this impulse within you to identify the error, to talk about the error, and to make sure that everybody else knows that you've seen the error, all that is pride. It's simply pride. What can replace it is admitting, I am a broken, imperfect, corrupt, proud person who needs God to talk to me through anyone he wants. In reference to an Old Testament story of Balaam's ass, Balaam's donkey, he makes the point. If I believe that an animal is able to bring God's word and talk to me, so can any preacher. 
In other words, my sense of need and imperfection can override his imperfection. The truth is that you would do well to imitate the way in which the Bereans responded to God's word. By firstly studying God's word daily, by discussing it, by testing the sermons that you hear, but also there are certain times when you need to be willing to adjust your response and humbly listen. Humbly, just listen. And remember, God always uses the preaching of his word. And preachers, let's preach the word as faithfully as we can. Of course, as we have seen many times in the book of Acts, Christ-centred preaching also produces opposition just as, as, just as much as it produces repentance. I want to pick up in verse 13 again. Let's just read some more verses from, from the Bible. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learnt that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and they stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with them all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and to join him. So word has got back to Thessalonica that Paul and the others are, are preaching down the road. Now, not, we're not quite sure how the news had spread there. It's perhaps because just the growing witness in this of the Berean believers had reached right the way back to Thessalonica. That's certainly possible. And maybe there are troublemakers here who, who take the message back to Thessalonica. But what we need to remember is that while the people of God are busy building the kingdom of God, Satan is also at work and he simply wants to tear it down. So these unbelieving Jews from Thessalonica come to Berea. They stir up trouble among the people. They spark off all the issues that were going on back in Thessalonica, as we heard about last week. They agitate the crowd, no doubt, with the same sort of half-truths that they were doing back in Thessalonica. We read about it in verse 7 of, of, of this chapter. So at this point, the missionary group gets split up. The believers in Berea outwit the enemy by taking Paul to the sea. They put him on a ship bound for Athens. Once again, Paul has to leave a place of rich ministry and he breaks away from a people that he has, he's grown to love. But while Paul goes to Athens, Silas and Timothy remain here in Berea. And we're not told exactly why, but we do know from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians that he was concerned, very concerned for the church of Thessalonica, which is why Timothy is eventually sent back to them. Again, you can read more about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 and into the beginning of chapter 3. So what do we learn from the story? Two things. Firstly is this. It's very simple. Listen Read God's word and apply it to your life. You need to spend time in scripture. 
There's no shortcuts in growing in God. Feed on the word. God speaks through his word. He encourages, he instructs, he, he reveals himself. We need to go to the Bible day by day and search for God's promises to hold on to them, to apply them, to allow them to change our lives. Listen, it begins with the wonderful story of the gospel where Jesus Christ came into this world, where he died, where he rose again. We, we, need, we need to know that our lives are secure in him, that by faith in him, through repentance, we have a hope for our future. We need to make sure that Christ is central in all of our reading, in all of our teaching, in all of our listening. But also if you are facing challenges, so when you're in a situation where you know that, that you should speak out about God and you're worried what other people may be thinking about you, why not find something in scripture to encourage you? Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 tells us, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Or when you're facing temptation for the 10th time this week and you're just wanting to give in, read 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from evil. Or when you're facing problems and, and the future just seems so uncertain like it does at the moment. Psalm 33 verse 11 reminds us that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generation. Or if you're overwhelmed with worry, be strong and courageous, says Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Do not underestimate the power of God's word. Live it out every day. You need to be a student of God's word. Be teachable. Store it up in your heart. Memorize it. Apply it to your life. Pray it out and search for hidden treasures within it. This is the answer to the problems of every generation. It is the answer to the problems of the smartphone generation Get into the word. Live in the word. Young people, be in the word. Older people, love the word of God. But secondly, share what you've learned. You need to increase the light of Jesus that radiates from your life. This means taking in God's word, but also being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be a lamp. The word of God is the wick that runs through you and the Holy Spirit is the oil that burns in you. And the more that you shine and the more that you speak up and the more that you rely on God, the more the Holy Spirit's unction, it's a great old fashioned word, the unction of the Holy Spirit will be within you. The oil of God will be pouring onto your life, through your life and from your life. Continually be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit because you're continually giving out. And listen, you can never give out too much for Jesus. You can never give too much for him. 
and you can never shine too brightly. Take in the word, be filled with the spirit and pass on the truth of the gospel so that your heart ignites into fire. A burning white hot fire of passion for Jesus. And you'd only get like this. This will only happen when you know the word, when you understand how precious it is, when you live a life of obedience, a life of repentance, a life that is filled with the spirit of God living in the presence of God. God's word is truly nourishment for your souls. It is life itself. It is spiritual kindling for your heart. Let's pray. Father, ignite within us once again a passion for you, passion for your word. Even in this place, Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come right now into our homes. Just rest upon us. Change us. Apply your word to our hearts, to our life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this week. May you walk with him. May you spend time with him. May you learn to love his word deeply this week. We pray in your precious name, Lord.